0: Good morning, everyone, and good afternoon or evening, wherever you happen to be in the world. Um, My name is Meryl Dory, and I'd like to welcome you to Under the Wire, uh, the home of censored and suppressed information about vaccination and health. And speaking about censored and suppressed, I have no idea if anyone is actually able to see this, because Facebook has made it almost impossible to, um, to find us right now, even if you happen to be following the page. I do see that I have two people with eyes on, and that's positive. Uh, seven people, that's fantastic. We are streaming to a new uh, page as well called DLive, and I will be sending out another email shortly. I sent one out yesterday with a link to that. So, Hopefully, as time goes on, oh, thank you, Marcella and Donna, so good that you can see us. That's wonderful. Um, we have a very exciting show this morning, and I have about three and a half hours worth of content to fit into one and a half hours, so let's see how we go with that. Um, today, we are interviewing three dynamic local women who have started an initiative in Malumbimbi uh, to basically thank the shopkeepers and the business owners in their local area for surviving COVID and for staying open to let them know that they are appreciated. Um, I'm going to switch away to them in a second, but before I do that, I'm just gonna play this brief video that they put together about this initiative.
1: It came down to gratitude. Our essential business idea was the answer to a question we had. What can we do as a community to really show our gratitude to support our local businesses after such a challenging 12 months? Owning and running a small business is a really challenging thing to do at the best of times. And over the last 12 months so much more has been asked of our small businesses. It's kind of like they're between a rock and a hard place because they've had all these new directives that have come down in a really haphazard kind of way. And they've never had that level of micromanagement from government telling them what they're required to do. Uh, And on top of that, there's a whole spectrum of customers' opinions and feelings about what the businesses are doing. So what we did was a group of us went around and visited our small businesses. Our main purpose was to say thank you. Basically saying, we see you at all of your hard work and sleepless nights.
2: The gift is an essential business sticker. Each business we feel is an integral part of the fabric of our community and we wanted to acknowledge that publicly with this big awesome sticker on the window.
3: They're essential to us and we're essential to them. We're in a symbiotic relationship and we want them to know that it's the community that shows up for each other in these times. And yeah, we're bringing it back to shopping local and we're bringing it back to the awareness that we need to constantly show up for each other like everyone has been doing here in the biggest little town in Australia.
1: You know what they say, that from little things, big things grow, and I really believe that. So this is a little project in Mullumbimby, and it has the potential to make a huge impact. Imagine what it would be like if every community around the world showed up and really, really thanked their small businesses for being there, for them, and for their whole community. That would be really something.
0: Wouldn't it be something? Um, Hello and welcome. From my left, I hope this is the same because everything is backwards on the internet. We have Renat. Renat, can you give a quick wave? We met Renat a few weeks ago um, on the 5G issue. In the middle is Angela, who many of you would know from the VaxFus. She was my Uh, Co-host on the vaxxed bus for the last two New South Wales tour and on the far right is Claire Um, Claire has been a mover and shaker in the Byron community for some time So welcome ladies and thank you so much for joining me here on under the wire (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that with all the Facebook censorship, we probably have more people from all around the world joining us. I'm getting people saying they're in India, they're in the UK, they're in <laughs> everywhere. So well done, Facebook, for trying to censor because I think it's just increased the interest in the issues. So welcome so much, lady. I've watched, ladies, I've watched that show Um, that you've done the little clip that you've done probably 20 times and every time at the end I have goosebumps um, especially with that last line so it's an amazing initiative. Um, Can you tell me what gave you the idea to do this? How did that come about?
1: Well it was a few months ago that we were all together and we were sitting around thinking or just having a discussion of how could we really show our support as a community for our local businesses, because, you know, it's been a really tough time, even though it hasn't been like it has been in lots of other countries. Our little town is a little town and they're little businesses. So um, we just had an idea and just imagine if we went around and actually just thank them all and and say say we really see you and are really uh, grateful that you're here and that you provide us our services. and. And, the, and also then there's a sticker a few so yeah
3: no well, we we sort of came up with this sticker because we were saying like the w- you know all these businesses had these big i'm covid safe stickers on their window and that was kind of representative of how full-on all the different things had been that they had to implement in their small business and um and we were like okay well how can we kind of basically support that but also tell them that they're essential to us and that we are for them and so we were like well why don't we just get a massive sticker and stick it next to the COVID safe sticker and be like you're essential to us and we love you and like as a as a as a kind of a really nice positive counterbalance to all of that that has been going on in the last year year and a half.
0: I think that's fabulous that is so good that it also is very positive because people are always saying, "What can I do? How can I possibly make a difference in my local community?" And you got together with this very simple idea, and you made it happen. And
2: um, um, <laughs> yes,
3: we do,
0: <did>. yes, <laughs>
2: and
3: it's very simple. It was a really, it's a really simple, easy thing to do, and. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, you know, something that other people can be inspired by as something really basic that they can do in their local area to make people feel good. Are you there, Meryl? I don't know if you can hear it.
0: Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> when I switched away, it muted me and I didn't realise that I was still muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you happen to have one of the stickers there that you can hold up to show people.
1: So we put it on the, the sticky on the inside so that it would be stuck from the inside of a business um, They can't be fiddled with, tampered with from the outside. Um, and the design idea, when I moved to Mullumbimby about 10 years ago, um, we were in the middle, well, the town was in the middle of a, a push-pull between whether... Woolworths would come into the town or not, and there were a lot of local businesses and local people who thought we don't need Woolworths. We could just do with our couple of um, local supermarkets, independent supermarkets, and the um, you know the the local markets that were also starting up at the time, farmers' markets. Um, and so there was a campaign with little yellow round stickers that say, oh, "We love Mullum and shop local." So that was part of. Um, the idea, I'm sure, the, the seeding of the idea of, of then coming to this to say, well, Mullum is known for its community and the people who really show up for each other in a real, um, like, take action in their community. Mm. So uh, that's where the design came from.
0: Yeah, well as- i would forgotten about that. I remember when that campaign started back in Bimi. my kids were still going to school there. And, yeah, it was a huge campaign. And um, I think the businesses have continued to thrive because Mullum has such a strong community base. So you you decided that you were going to go out and put these stickers around town, give them to the people as a gift. There was no obligation on their part, right? It's just a no. gift.
1: Yeah, it's completely. It's not, it's not an exchange for anything. It's just simply us showing gratitude. And, and I have a, a real... Um, a real commitment to, oh, well, I really, I've thought deeply about this and was raised with a view to really uh, understand, to the degree that I do, about how much that goes into creating a new business. So for a person to have a new business, if they've started, that they've come with, in with some idea of some unique thing that they want to bring to their community. And so it takes a lot from and we've all had ideas, but it does take so much to turn an idea like that to to incubate that and then get it to the point where you can actually open like hire a premises and, and open the doors and then start providing a service. So courage. Courage. Yeah. So yeah. Much, so Money.
0: Courage. Yeah,
1: yeah. So many pieces yeah. and at so many points along that little journey just before you open your doors, you can get naysayers and a lose confidence or have lots of bumps along the way just before you've opened your doors. Mm-hmm. And then the commitment, I mean, and I see this, you know, people who run businesses, they've got to keep showing up and and they show up day after day after day and then they, they employ people and they grow or they, you know, they've, they've still got to source their product or make their product, whatever the, the, the business is. And that's an enormous amount of commitment and dedication and resilience in any time. Right. And then COVID comes and then there's all this, they, 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 I mean, I said in the video, it's like being stuck between a rock and a hard place of having the government... It's unprecedented the amount of requests and requirements that the government has has laid on these businesses that they've had to sort through and work out where they stand with that, um, and so it's enormous. And that that the the moment I heard um, the government talk about businesses in the way of who's essential or not, I was like, well. Who, who gets to decide who's essential? Because every business is it, the business is essential for their families because mm-hmm. it, it brings in money for them. It's essential for all their employees' families because it brings in mm-hmm. their wages, and it's essential for our communities. So much more than. The, uh, the represent uh, what a business represents in a community in a small town is so much more than the services or the goods that they're selling like the, yeah. that business is the place where the whole community yeah. revolves around so um I like to think of you know that saying that, that about the six degrees of separation in small towns it's like one degree of separation yeah. Yeah. so that place where everybody is enmeshed in this invisible kind of net of 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 community um yeah. they are, they're, they're crucial and some of those people some people for some people visiting their local shop to buy their milk or their paper or whatever it is that they're looking for their batteries or mm-hmm. that might be the only person yeah. that that person sees all day yeah. and so they have these people and I've been through periods myself where I think I actually feel like the people in the shops that I visit are more my best friends than my friends because I haven't <laughs> seen them so long because of being busy um so yeah, you know, to have someone ask you how you're doing today, or you know, help your kids to do their first transaction with them, or you know, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and 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 the idea of what's been portrayed as essential in this last year is so mm-hmm. one-dimensional. It's almost laughable.
0: You're right, and there is a very strong knock-on effect if a business gets closed then it's more than just that business it's all the suppliers who actually sell to that business it's the customers it's the employees who work for that business um i i heard a shocking statistic the other day that 50% of the restaurants in new york city have closed and they will not reopen how and new york is known for its restaurants it's a big part of the economy of the city so you know you have a city that is currently basically being destroyed by covid um, but when I go through Malumbimbi, I don't see shop fronts that are closed. I don't see a town that is depressed. I see a town that looks thriving. Tell me about that.
2: Should I jump in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so underpinning this campaign is the idea to shop local. And what Mullumbimby does so well is we know how to come together in these times that are really quite tough. And what we've seen going into the shops themselves is that we wanted this sticker to be a reminder to the community that these businesses are essential. But what we ended up hearing was from the shopkeepers saying, We have people coming into our shops and buying things that they don't need to keep us open. Mm -hmm. So the mentality of Malumbimbi is very much to keep community and I think you've got to have that at your your core, that you want to have community. And this is what Malumbimbi does so well. Mm -hmm. They shop local. They know, you know, the owners and the shopkeepers and the managers and the employees. We get to know each other and that's why we come together in these tough undertakes on our community. So, it's
0: brilliant. And that was
2: part of, I guess, the messaging of this whole um, essential business sticker is that the community knows that these businesses are essential, as much as we are honouring mm. the businesses that they are essential.
0: And I saw an awful lot of hugging in the videos. A lot of people look close to tears. <laughs> what has been the response in general from the shopkeepers and the business owners when you've given them the stickers?
1: The, the overwhelming response has been complete uh, surprise and delight mm. and some of them gratitude. such relief and and yeah gratitude back to us for even thinking to do this and for having the idea in the first place that they, they're they're often speechless and mm. I mean I saw a woman yesterday the other day because um, I'm still doing the stickers I haven't we haven't gone to every business yet. Um, so if you're a business from Maleny, we haven't turned up yet. We will come.
4: Or oh, Byronshire. <laughs> yeah, yes. The whole
1: month. We are exp- expanding it into Byron. Um this woman? She had actually. She was. She was so speechless as I was talking to her, and she almost didn't know what to do. And and she actually had started her business in June last year. Mm. So in the middle of COVID, and and she was almost in tears because her her business is a um like a um, I guess you, I don't even like the term yeah, alternative no. health. Yeah, pocket therapy. Yeah. <laughs> she said she just, she gives and she gives and she gives. So her, her work is actually giving and supporting people in their health and she's opened the business. And so she's got people, other practitioners who work from there and there's a lot been going on for her, obviously. And she was so, so grateful. And I got the feeling that, that, and I have had this feeling from other, other business owners that, just because they're human and they've put their heart and soul into this business and things have been so tough mm. in one way or another, that just being offered gratitude will hold them with mm. more, like support their own resilience mm. to just keep on going on because they know that they're appreciated and, you know, it's a very human thing to desire uh, acknowledgement and um, a receipt of gratitude so
3: uh, and, and this is also like a no strings attached sticker you know it's like I think we've also seen um and Mullen Bimbi gets a terrible rap for this but um we've seen a real ideological war being played out the last you know year or so and I think every everybody has varying degrees of opinions on what's okay or what's not okay or um Yeah, how they want their businesses to act and their local community to act in these times. And I think we wanted to do something that was uniting, not divisive. And so in this way, we're like, okay, this is a no strings attached gift that basically brings the community back together, but also opens up the conversation so that if these things crop up, it's like a community conversation because we all have that base level of trust and love and commitment and um, we're honouring each other every day by showing up for each other. And so then I feel like it just opens, it 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 breaks down all those really hard barriers and those big walls that we're, that we're constantly putting, ideological walls that we're putting up. Against each other, um, and just makes us more united.
0: That's that's a great explanation, and I have to say that Suzanne Taylor has just asked a question that is a great segue into my next question. Well, it wasn't a question; it was a statement. Wish more places were like Mullum. Um, and what I'm what I'm feeling is that having been around Bimbi for thirty some odd years, and having been involved in the community, I have seen. Something happened in Mullum um, since the start of the pandemic, the so-called pandemic, where the community has actually come together. We have weekly meetings. We we support each other. We look uh, specifically look for local businesses to buy our products and goods and services, and um, and that is not. It's not that there's something special about Mullum. It's that the people there have made the effort to actually do that. And when someone says, I wish there were more places like Mullum, well, you can have your wish come true if you actually start doing what people in Bimbi did, and that is speaking with your community and helping to organize. So how can people um, do, replicate what you're doing in Bimbi with these sticker gifts in their own community to start that happening? Because that's a great way to start it.
1: Yeah, well, what yeah. uh, I've... We have a plan um, and that that's being implemented. It's not ready yet, but we're going to have a just a really simple landing page um, with the video and uh, it'll have a little flowchart of how you can do it and also it'll have the, um, the artwork so that you'll be able to put your own um, town name or shire in there and, and then get going yourself. Um, so it's, it's a very, very simple thing and, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful thing to be involved in because it's so... Heartwarming, you know, and it's and, and and so really, simple. And so simple, <laughs> and so simple, so, so simple. And, you know, it, it really, there are some businesses that I go into that I don't know, and they're not because, you know, you can't go into every business in your shop. Well, you can. But, um, so there are places that I go into where I'm just introducing myself, and it's the first time I've set foot in their door. And I feel so deeply about uh, my honoring and championing the people who have started that business and who keep opening that door that. I'm very. It's very easy to offer gratitude to them because just because it's not one of my day-to-day businesses that I visit, I know that it, it'll be a day-to-day business for other people in our community. Because mm. um, so, so it's it's very it's very simple and it's very very lovely. And we've heard so many stories. And and you know, there's there's another part that makes me even more grateful for the people in our town who run the small businesses. And because you hear each person's. Difficulty. So one store, um, the fellow was—it was a mower shop—and he was nearly in tears, or so he had tears in his eyes, as he told me how hard it has been mm. this last year to get mechanics to mm. to repair the mowers. And in our particular neck of the woods here in the Byron Shire, there's been enormous um, pressure on our housing, and uh, because people are buying real estate here, sight unseen from Melbourne or Sydney, who yeah. they want to get out of the city, or they've realised they can work from home, so they're going to bring forward their sea change, green green change forward 20 years and so there's so many people who would be renting who now have been displaced and so mm-hmm. there are some businesses here even buying houses to house their employees mm-hmm. because the employees can't they're having to move out further where there's place to rent yeah. so there's there's pressure on businesses like that because they just can't get the staff to provide the services or there was another shop that um, sells uh, clothing and they said that their products stay in customs, mm. and meanwhile, I'm you know the places like Target and Aldi and Woolworths and all those places, the big big businesses, they get sort of shortcuts through places like customs because mm. of their size and their buying power, and and that that is a real struggle because they for, for businesses to have empty shelves. It's all very well they might stay open, but they actually can't get the product that they're normally selling.
3: And I think we were, we were also really aware that you know. 2020 saw the biggest transfer of wealth in history um you know the the small businesses and the independents lost 3.7 trillion and the big corporations and the billionaires gained 3.9 billion a trillion in a pandemic so we were like these numbers are pretty outrageous and pretty shocking and to see that unbelievable in one year that uh, that level of transfer of wealth just as much the everyday person is struggling and um in these times and that was just unacceptable for me like I just I couldn't I can't I can't bear that 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 just that really fired me up you know because I think businesses and I think that is um and there absolutely is a place for them and and they serve a purpose but they can't exist like instead of they can't replace community and they can't replace our town halls and our village centers um because what kind of psychological damage is that for the community as a whole you know if we lose these meeting places and we lose these interactions and you know there are people that are just like Angela was saying before that are just desperately lonely in these times, and often just going into a local shop and seeing someone that they know, you know, when they haven't seen their family for a year or they haven't been able to move states or whatever. That is absolutely essential to their mental health, and so and they will definitely not get that from shopping on Amazon.
0: Like one, that's for sure, Claire. And you make a very important point in that. Um, it, you know, it's something that we all, always stressed, shopping local, but uh, to shop local now is a hundred times more important because we ha- if we have the power to turn this situation around through such simple means, through the stickers and through choosing that we're not going to buy things online. And I was, you know, I had an Amazon account. I canceled it at, the, at about three months ago. I canceled my Audible account. I'm not going to buy anything from there anymore. We have to stop. We have to make conscious decisions every time we buy something and stop supporting the big box names. Because if we did that, if we all did that, and if companies did that, corporations did that, because they're probably the biggest purchasers from these um, locations, if yeah. all of us decided that we were going to buy locally from Australia, from our community, um, this problem would be solved basically within a, a very short time.
2: Yeah, I also wanted to say, like, if people just imagine that their local communities don't have the cafes and the bookshops and, you know, all those essential things that we go to every day, if that was empty... What that would do to health, and I think we need to come back to the fact that community creates health. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is we're in a pandemic where people are concerned about health, and community is one of the most pivotal things mm-hmm. for increasing
1: health.
0: Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah that's so yeah, that's what it is. Everybody, I have something else. Oh, to, go to,
0: ahead, Anne. There's a mm-hmm.
1: um an interim if you were to think about well, just everybody. My suggestion is, you know, there's the saying that says, put your money where your mouth is. And so, you know, buying locally, shopping locally, always think and teach your children. You know, this is, we learned this on the Vax bus, Meryl, about the importance of not just doing, but actually verbalizing and teaching your children. So tell your kids, stop buying your shoes online, go and try it on in that shop, because that shop won't exist uh, if you don't do this. So teach our children why we want to shop local. And also just immediately start expressing as you put your mouth where your money is like start expressing when you go into a shop oh hey i really really love coming here it's so great you know that i can come and meet my friends here or you know i love your aesthetic i've seen you've done a new paint job or whatever it's fantastic good on you because just the acknowledgement that that each of these people they're human beings and Mm. and everybody loves to be to be boosted and uplifted by by gratitude so uh, you don't need a sticker to start doing this immediately actually one of the
2: businesses that we went to see is called uplift oh yes and they do they run conferences and events to uplift our community and they were probably one of the most emotional people receiving the essential business sticker that we were uplifting uplift
0: it was quite (laughs) a beautiful thing to see well done well done and and it is you know, it is one of these things that. Well, I also I want to say that for people who want to start giving out the stickers in their areas, um, you can send an email, and I will put this information in the show notes to essentialbusinessbyron all one word at pm like peter, Mo, peter Mary dot me and um, Angela will get in touch with you and tell you how you can actually start in your area. Um, it'll be about a month before your website's up, is that right? And then at that point, there'll be downloadables and information online. But don't wait, start expressing your gratitude straight away <laughs> and contact Ange at that essential business byron um, at pm.me. Uh, Before we finish up, is there anything else that you would like to share that you think people should know? I I haven't seen any questions come through, so I hope I haven't missed them. I've been trying to keep pay attention.
2: I have something to say, and and I just want to hug these two girls right now. (laughs) (laughs) To do something like this, you really do have to find your tribe, your Mm -hmm. people can do this with and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it alone but I'm saying that doing it together as a community is so important because when they saw the three of us walking in it just felt it just you could see it fill their heart that we were all in this together for them so I would just encourage that
0: and it probably It probably gives you more courage to do it with someone else also. It's less confrontational for yourself if you have someone to back you up. And um, I can see that you ladies work really well together. And um, it is just amazing. It is an inspirational thing to think that you have gotten this idea and taken it from the drawing board to implementing it within such a short time. And the effect that it's had on the community has been huge. So congratulations to all of you. You're getting a lot of love from the people making comments here, hearts everywhere. Yes, and
1: I just have another um, recommendation to... Buy your stickers locally also because you probably have a local printer um or you you know you have a printer somewhere um and also remember your newspaper if you have a local newspaper because um we had an article in the paper just this week actually because i went to uh share a sticker and thank them for being the business and and because they are a couple of generation now old business um and they were really really surprised and grateful and enjoyed it and then they went oh hey can we take photos of you and put you in our paper so um that was really a a useful thing also so remember your local newspaper um when you're doing the initiative because they will no doubt be involved uh, or want want to support support yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: that's a great idea and i will put a link to that article it was in the byron echo um -hmm. i'll put a link to that on the show notes yes (laughs) go ahead (laughs) and
5: (laughs) <laughs>
1: Sorry. And our videographer, she's not here today, but um, she was beautiful, and she really, really understood. We we live in a um, in the same region as a woman called Helena Norbert Hodge, who mm. is a real champion she's for amazing. localism. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kat has done some work with her, and uh, Kat, our videographer, and she really understood the essence of what we were we, we were doing. And um, my guess is that in most communities there'll be some videographer who would love to be involved. In, in, this, in a project like this, just imagine that they will be there and they'll show up.
0: Fantastic. I have one more question. Have you thought about a hashtag so that those videos and the experiences of people can be shared on social media and searched?
2: See, that's why we need a new
0: Meryl.
3: <laughs> I... We definitely have that, don't we? We do now. <laughs> definitely have that uh,
0: hashtag.
3: We'll come back to you. <laughs> you'll, you'll
0: come back to us. Come back to us. <laughs> Maybe every business is essential, but yeah. Might be a bit long, but yeah, I mean, uh, let me know what you come up with and I'll share it also. So um, thank you all so much. I just love stories like this. And obviously the people watching this show have also loved seeing you guys so much. So thank you for everything you've done. I'm sure we'll be speaking again and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks Thanks (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. How was that? I just love stories like that. I really do. In, in this time when everything seems to be such a downer, um, it's so good to see people doing something positive. And obviously, uh, the people watching this have felt that too, because there's hearts everywhere. And I, I hope that I oh, we've got Canada too. We've got people from all around the world. So um, thank you so much. Now. Uh, we're going to get into the meat of the show, which is information from what's been happening over the last week. Now, first off, I do want to let you know that the ABN sent out a newsletter yesterday, and we had a uh, short survey in there, just two questions, uh, asking, because we are, oh, Hawaii. Uh, Thomas, I've got to tell you that I've only been to Hawaii once, and I was only on the Big Island, uh, yeah. and it was 32 years ago with my husband. And I said at the time that if there is a heaven when you die, Hawaii is heaven. uh, Because I absolutely loved it. So thank you for joining us from Hawaii. Um, Because we are probably going to be kicked off of Facebook very soon, and um, we're searching for alternative uh, alternative live streaming platforms, um, D-Live is one of the platforms that I'm hoping we're streaming to right now. If somebody is watching this on D-Live, could you please let me know? Because I'm not sure how well it's working. But um, we because this is changing and it's such a flux, we're not going to be on Facebook probably for much longer, and we were banned from YouTube uh, last week, then uh, I, I figured let's see what people would prefer as the date the day and time for Under the Wire. And last night was I when I checked, and at that point, Sunday was far and away the most popular day, and evening rather than morning, which is interesting. So um, just keep your eyes open because, see a telegram, Suzanne telegram is not for live streaming. They don't have the ability to live stream to telegram yet. But um, hopefully, they will at some point. I understand that uh, BitChute, I think, is looking at adding live streaming onto their platform. But um, at this point, there the l- number of platforms where you can live stream to is fairly limited. I can definitely save the video, which is what we do, and then um, upload it to Rumble and BitChute in Brighteon, and we do that every week anyway. But um, we need more platforms where we can live stream. And it looks like, perhaps in the very near future, we're going to be changing the uh, day and time of uh, under the wire, and it's possibly going to be Sunday evening. So if you want to have some input on that, uh, please let us know. And if you have not subscribed, if you have not subscribed to our email newsletter, uh, please do go to avn.org.au, and uh, <laughs> and um. And just sign up. There's a form there. Lisa, I actually um, signed up for Twitch, but Twitch is all gaming. It's it's all gaming. I don't see anyone um, posting anything there that's not about gaming. Um, these are all streamers who are streaming games, from what I can see anyway. And D D Live is very much like that too. But because D Live is hosted on blockchain, which I don't really understand, but supposedly because it's on blockchain, it can't be. Um, it can't be censored and they can't take it down <clears throat> without taking the entire web down. And I don't think even someone like Gil Bates can do that. So um, he, <laughs> yeah, Tanya, you have the same idea of Twitch. Uh, okay, it's starting to change. I do have a page set up on, on Twitch and maybe next week I will give it a go and see what happens. Thank you for that suggestion. So I didn't even try to set up Twitch, but I will do that next week. Um, on under the wire so what I'm saying is that we're probably going to change the time and I will keep the Saturday morning slot for when I interview someone in an inconvenient time zone like in the United States or the UK because the morning there is the um, here is the afternoon or the evening there so it'll make things easier but I, we're probably going to be switching to evening in Australia in the future so just giving you a heads up and letting you know about that um, now, speaking about cancellations, the Corbett Report, which is one of my very, very favorite. Uh, if you have not watched James Corbett's The Corbett Report or listened to his podcast, you're missing out. It's been around for over 10 years, and uh, he has some of the best information going. Okay. So, Suzanne's asking where the sign-up is for emails. If you go to the homepage, avn.org.au, and I think it's under the banner. It may even be two places. It might be under the banner and on the right. It'll say something like, sign up for our email newsletter. It'll have a field for your first name and another field for your email. You just need to fill both of those out, and you'll be signed up. And we put out a, we used to put out the newsletter once every two to three weeks, but now we're putting it out every week because there's just so much information. Um, Yeah, it'll, Joe, it'll be evenings if we do it on Sunday, because that was the, uh, I gave three choices, morning, afternoon, or evening, and evening far and away was the most popular. And I know that just from, I've done a few special under the wires midweek on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock. And we've had four to five times the number of viewers there as we have on the Saturday morning slot. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I'm glad I asked the question and I'm glad that many people answered. I haven't checked today. The email newsletter just went out yesterday, so I'll check and see if there's any change, but, um, It could very easily be that. Now, one other thing I'd like to ask, um, you know, the people who are suggesting Twitch, Lisa, Marie, and Tanya, um, when we do screen, I don't know how this works on platforms like Twitch and DLive, but if there is a way to share the fact that we're live or to share the um, video after we're finished, that would be great because that's how we get more followers and that's how more people see our information and it's important information, obviously. Um, it's very important. So um, j- Anybody who has suggestions about live streaming platforms, uh, please send them through to AVN inquiries at avn.org.au. .au um, if, if someone from our uh, management crew is on here, can they please put that in the comments because I can't comment um, from the when I'm going live. Oh wait, maybe I can. No, I can't do it. Okay, sorry. (laughs) All right, so let's get on with the show. Um, This is something, let me just make this a bit smaller so that you can actually see the headline. This is from Bloomberg News. We must start planning for a permanent pandemic. Now, if anyone was under any misapprehension that this pandemic was not all about money, power, and control, this article and again, all of the links will be in the show notes that will be uploaded to the AVN website this afternoon. This article will very quickly disabuse you of that misapprehension. Um, this is all about money, power, and control, uh, and not at all about health. So um, for the past year, an, ex- an assumption, sometimes explicit, often tacit, has Informed almost all our thinking about the pandemic at some point it will be over then we'll go back to normal in quotes This premise is almost certainly wrong SARS-CoV-2 protean and elusive as it is may become our permanent enemy So the common cold is going to become our permanent enemy in order to keep us locked down suppressed um, in poverty and uh, with no power to control our own lives so this is the plan this has been the plan all along to put us in a state of fear where we are no longer able to think logically for ourselves and then to use that fear to their own advantage as claire said um the there has been the biggest transfer of wealth over the last 12 months than ever before in history 3.7 trillion um, was taken from individuals and small businesses, and $3.9 trillion was added to the world's richest people and biggest corporations. It is all about the money. And it will always be about the money. And the only way it's going to change is when we know this and we tell other people about it. Um, this is a definition from a medical dictionary. Uh, the cold, the common cold. <laughs> um, almost 200 viruses all broadly similar in their effects are known to cause colds the most common belonging to one of two groups the rhinoviruses and they are working on a rhinovirus vaccine and have been for many years and the coronaviruses covid sars-cov-2 if it exists belongs to the family coronavirus and when we get a common cold it is usually either a rhinovirus or a coronavirus and Fifteen months ago, if you had told someone that you had a cold, there would have been no fear. There would have been no loathing. There would have been no problem whatsoever. In a very short time, we have changed this from a common illness that may make you go to bed for two or three days, drink chicken soup, and take vitamin C, so uh, to uh, actually living in fear and and hating people around you who sneeze. It is insane. The whole world has gone insane. Now, this is, I downloaded this today. This is the latest information on, uh, on coronavirus in Australia. Now, I want you to see this. We have just exited a, a snap lockdown, not a snap lockdown, but a mask order in New South Wales. And Queensland still has a mask order in place. And I think they're going to do it until the 15th of April. And they had a snap lockdown there where people have been told that they have to stay inside. Now, right now, in our entire country of between 24 and 25 million people, um, we have a total, a grand total of one person in intensive care who has been diagnosed with COVID. And that may not necessarily be the reason they're in intensive care, but they're counting one person in intensive care. And in our entire country, we have a total of 76 people admitted to hospital with COVID. Again, just because they have COVID does not mean, uh, sorry, just because they have a positive COVID test does not mean that's the reason they're in hospital. We have tested 15,998,000 times. This is not necessarily people because people get tested multiple times. Of that 15 million, uh, which has cost the country billions with a B of dollars, 0.2% have shown to be positive. We've had a total of 909 deaths um, since the beginning of the scandemic. And those deaths are less than we had deaths from flu last year. But don't worry. And when I say last year, I mean 2019, before the uh, pandemic started. Uh, Last year, we had more deaths from influenza. Since COVID started, deaths from influenza have virtually disappeared. Uh, Tanya is asking where can we watch this video after the live is finished? No, it's not just Facebook and I don't know how much longer we're going to be on Facebook, Tanya, but um, it'll be on the AVN website this afternoon. It'll be on Rumble, Bitshoot, and Brighteon. And um, if anybody wants to find us on those platforms, on most of them, the page is AVN underscore choice, but Yeah, you can find us on those other platforms. And if you just go to avn.org.au and look at the latest blog post, that's where it'll be. So, yeah. And Kath is saying, why do we need passports to get freedom? UK following the rest of the world. You need passports because, as that Bloomberg article said, we're going to be in a permanent state of pandemic. Um, So this is the situation in Australia. This is... For the people who've died, it's a terrible tragedy for them and their families. But if they did not die from COVID but died with COVID, which is most likely the case, then we have been played big time, absolutely played big time. This is the information from VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Defense Reporting System. This is updated as of April 2nd, so it's about eight days out of date. And this data represents about 1%, according to the Food and Drug Administration, 1% of the actual reports. There have been 2,342 deaths, um, a total of 56, almost 57,000 adverse reaction reports. Uh, So add a couple of zeros to that, and you're going to be closer to what's actually happening. 460 cases of Bell's palsy, 412 cases of anaphylaxis, or life-threatening allergic reaction, 8,975 admissions to urgent care, which is emergency, 4,972 people hospitalized, and 8,744 people have been Um, have had to visit their doctors. 502 heart attacks, we'll talk about that in a minute, Uh, 84 miscarriages. The fact that they are giving this vaccine and targeting pregnant women when it has never been tested in anyone for safety, let alone pregnant women, is a crime against humanity. And thrombocytopenia or low platelet count, uh, which is the opposite of the blood clotting that we're hearing about, but it probably has a similar cause, 321 cases of that. This is a vaccine that is probably going to kill many, many times more people than any illness, including what they're calling COVID. Um, A few weeks ago, I interviewed uh, Dr. David Rasnick on the show, and he said that he believes within the first year Within the first 12 months after the release of the vaccine, um, more than 1 billion people, that's with a B again, are going to die worldwide. Um, These reports are only for the United States. VARES is the American reporting system. In Australia, we are 90 days behind, and we have not yet been using the vaccine for 90 days as far as I know. Um, Israel is horrible with what's happening now. I believe that I read... Now, I wish I had actually uh, put this on the show, but um, there has been a four times increase in the death rate since vaccines, overall death rate since vaccines were introduced in Israel. And from December until the end of March, there were more deaths in Israel than there were for the entire year last year. So um, the death rate is, is shooting up. Absolutely shooting up. And Suzanne, you're right. It's not no nurse, but there's at least one insurance company in Australia that has said that they will not provide uh, insurance coverage if a nurse takes the um, vaccine. This is a medical uh, negligence, I think, uh, company, and they will not cover nurses if they take the vaccine the, sorry, it's not a vaccine, the genetic modification device, and have a reaction. And that's because they're saying it's an experimental medication, and they don't cover experimental medications. Um, life insurance companies, many life insurance companies, are saying, yep, if you die following administration, exactly, Suzanne, uh, you will not get your insurance paid out because it's an experimental vaccine, and they won't cover you. So there are very, very valid reasons why people would question this shot. But according to the media, we're all crazy.
2: Anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists have been slammed for refusing to have the coronavirus vaccine when it becomes available in Australia. While the Prime Minister's accepted it will be hard to make it mandatory, there are increasing calls for there to be consequences to those for those who refuse the jab. The government has warned it won't rule out strict measures for those who do not comply. It's a hot topic this morning. To discuss it I'm joined by Seven News political editor Mark Riley and journalist Louise Roberts. Morning to both of you, Mark. Good morning. Do you think the federal government will follow through on these
4: threats?
6: Uh, good morning, Nat. Good morning, Louise. I think it probably will. I mean, Scott Morrison yesterday in a couple of interviews said, "Don't forget, I'm the minister of no jab, no play," and that re- requirement was brought in by a lot of the states um, in uh, in childcare centres and uh, and in schools. So. Uh, there, is, there are things the government can do legally there 's a collision here between the rights of the individual and the rights of the community, but the law the law has um, deferred. In, the, in favour of the community in some celebrated cases, so the government can do something. Maybe, you know, no jab, no job keeper. No jab, no job seeker. Would that work? Mm. Who knows? Mm. But look, the bigger problem here though, Nat, is a, a question of moral and intellectual equivalence. This is what the anti-vaxxers want. They want a debate where their fruit loop ideas are given the same elevation as, um, as science, and we shouldn't give them that. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so we want a debate for our Fruit Loop ideas, um, and they won't give us that. Uh, uh, Since when does a political editor decide who can speak and who can't? And since when do journalists actually celebrate censorship? Censorship can affect them as well. And yeah, absolutely, Jackie. Uh, I I do the same thing too. I won't do it here because I'm on air. There could be children listening, but um, this is the sort of idiocy that we are up against. There are valid scientific questions that need to be asked. Absolutely, Kath, we are not Fruit Loops. We are reasonable, logical, intelligent, and informed adults who have a right to decide what goes into our body. Our government does not have that right, never has, never will. So um, they need to know that we are not going to put up with this crap. Absolutely. And this whole scamdemic from the word go came about because there are these PCR tests that are used in the UK now, they're saying they're sending automatically, like votes in the United States, they're automatically sending twice a week home test kits to every individual um, so that they can test themselves twice a week. Why are they doing that? Perhaps they have a lot of tests that aren't being used. I've got to tell you, um, in Byron Bay... I- I think it was last weekend is that when the um snap lockdown started in Queensland I'm not sure now it was either last weekend or the weekend before but um but they had a mobile test center set up in 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 Byron Bay and uh we actually made national news because someone went and put up a sign that said anal test this way pointing towards the testing center and critical thinking this way, and it was pointing away from it. And my understanding is that for the whole weekend when they were set up there, 17 people showed up to get a test. So um, perhaps this is the same thing that's happening in the UK, but uh, they are sending test kits to everyone twice a week. Now, I'm just going to read this. This Austrian court rules PCR tests not suitable for COVID-19 Diagnosis and lockdown has never, uh, sorry, has no legal basis. So it says the Vienna Administrative Court granted a complaint by the FPO against the prohibition of its meeting registered for January 31st in Vienna. The prohibition is wrong, the courts said in the ruling. Uh, the court stated on the basis of scientific studies that the grounds for the prohibition put forward by the Vienna State Police Department are completely unfounded. Now, this ruling matches rulings in Portugal, Germany, and the Netherlands as well. So um, we are seeing more and more cases going on around the world where people are are challenging the moves by government to take our rights away and the governments are losing and that is what it's going to take. It needs lawyers and people to take legal action against this. Um, yes, Kath says it's getting bad in the UK. Boris got a law. We're not allowed to the right to protest. And you know what? You need to protest that because no government... You have a constitution and you have a Bill of Rights in the UK, something that Australia does not have. We don't have a Bill of Rights or a Statement of Rights. Um, you need to get out on the streets and protest against not being allowed to protest. Um, if, if, if people And I'm not saying you personally. I'm saying... And I've seen some of the protests in London and other places around the UK, and they're brilliant. Ireland is... Um, I think it's the Republic of Ireland, not Northern Ireland, but I could be wrong. Um, one of the Ireland's has some of the most repressive um, rules of any. Oh, UK is protesting every week. That's fantastic, Kath. And you know what? Media's not covering it. How surprising. Um, and you refuse to wear a mask. Good on you. I have not worn a mask once since this whole scandemic started and I do not plan on wearing one. Uh, I went to the eye doctor yesterday for an exam and they told me I had to wear a mask and I said, I'm sorry, but I'm exempt. And that was it. They didn't ask me any further questions. And if they had asked me any questions, I would have said, I'm sorry, but that's private information and you're not entitled to know it. So Northern Ireland, it's Northern Ireland. Thank you, Kath. Yeah, they have terrible things going on in Northern Ireland um so yeah the thing is that the world has gone insane and it's up to us to bring it back to sanity now i'm going to share this article i'm not going to read the whole thing obviously it's 22 pages long but it is one of the best articles on vaccination um and it's written by someone named marcus de bruyn who is a microbiologist now when they say that it's um you know we are we are uh, Fruit loops and we don't have science The problem is that when we have scientists who come out and say there are real problems that we need to be looking at They simply say no 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 no. no. You're not the right scientist. We need people who agree with us We need people who say the same things that we do. So um, This article and again, I will have all of these links up on the AVN website this afternoon um, is fantastic It says, healthy people do not require genetic vaccination. And even calling it a vaccine is not right. They actually had to change the definition of vaccination to abide by what is being put out now, which are not vaccines. They're genetic modification devices. And what this microbiologist says is that um, these shots are going to change us forever forever, and we should not be taking them, because these are not things that are going to make us healthier. These are going to things, they'd be things that are going to make us sicker and potentially kill us. Uh, Darlene said, I now understand how the Jews felt under the Nazi regime. Canada is one of the worst offenders of brutalizing its citizens, and the citizens seem to be okay with it. Darlene, I know exactly how you feel. I'm watching what's happening in Canada with horror. I just saw A church was surrounded by police. They closed it down and they didn't allow anyone in. Again, Canada has a Bill of Rights and a Constitution that guarantees freedom of religion, but um, it is shocking what is being done in the name of protecting us. Protecting us is going to kill us. Um, Heidi says, when the mainstream is such a disrespectful bias, that shows you there is an agenda. That's right. And you don't need to look any further than the advertisers to know that. These people uh, who are on television berating anyone trying to make an informed decision um, are absolutely uh, being told what to say, and they are not allowed to say anything that would go against any of their advertisers. Um, Are there isolation camps in Canada? I believe I've heard that there are. Um, And FEMA camps exist in the United States? Yes, yes. I saw a Jewish Passover get raided by police in Australia. Absolutely. And um, the thing is, we have to stop complying. We have to just say, get out of my house. And I'm going to show you something in a little while, too, that will hopefully give you a little bit of hope. Um, We will be treated like outcasts. We probably already are and have our pensions cut off, won't be allowed to go anywhere. That will happen if we stay silent. That will happen if we stay silent. We need to speak up. So this article is one I highly recommend, um, and I recommend that you share it with others as well, because it is written by a scientist, and it has a great scientific basis, and it shows very clearly why these vaccines are going to cause huge problems. Um, This one, I can't think of one other infectious disease where once you've actually had the disease, you still are supposed to get the vaccine, not one. In fact, in in Australia, even with no jab, no pay, and no jab, no play, uh, evidence of prior infection is an absolute reason to be excused from further vaccination. So if you've had measles, and you can show that you've had measles, you're not required to take a measles vaccine. If you've had the mumps, and you can show that you've had the mumps, you don't need the mumps vaccine. Now, what's happening is they're saying that even if you get coronavirus naturally, and again, we can't even identify that it's SARS-CoV-2, the PCR test cannot differentiate between different strains of uh, the coronavirus. So all of this talk about these mutations and everything is absolute rubbish. They have no idea that there are mutations, and they don't know even if there is SARS-CoV-2. They're finding this viral debris, and they're saying, yep, that's SARS. They don't know, they have no idea. But if you have gotten uh, an infection and they've told you that that is SARS-CoV-2, they are still telling you you should be vaccinated even though it's admitted that the vaccine will not necessarily prevent infection and can't stop you from spreading the infection to other people. So uh, what they're saying in this article is that once you've had a coronavirus infection, and you get the vaccine, you may have more intense side effects. <laughs> hey genius, You know, do you, do you really need to be Einstein to work that one out? Um, not only that, the question remains because of a pathogenic priming, if you have had any coronavirus infection in the past, and if you've had the common cold, chances are you have, and then you receive the vaccine, will you have a more severe reaction? Um, This is a known phenomenon. When they tested earlier SARS vaccines uh, in 2003, they were never released because they actually did animal studies, which they've never done with this vaccine. And they injected ferrets with the SARS vaccine and the ferrets were fine. Once they exposed the ferrets to SARS, all of them died. A hundred percent of them died. So Um, we really and truly are working with mad science, uh, and it's I hate to even use the word science there. Oh, Patricia said, I had to go to the doctor Wednesday, and because I told the receptionist I was wheezing due to the pollen, they wouldn't let me come inside. The doctor came out to my car. Oh my god, and what's crazier is I bet you that doctor had gotten the vaccine, so what the heck. Um, so the children 's Health Defense has taken this on i don 't know why this is showing smaller. Uh, scientists challenge health officials on vaccinating uh, I' have to move it down. people who already had covid. And again, it's just common sense. If you've already had the illness, why do you need to take a vaccine? If the illness itself cannot give you immunity, then how is a vaccine going to do it? This has always been my question with things like the toxin-mediated diseases like whooping cough and, and um, tetanus and diphtheria. If you get any of those illnesses, you can get them again. They don't give you lifelong immunity, though they do give you very long-term. Like whooping cough, they say that a whooping cough infection, if you have not been vaccinated, you will be protected from future bouts of whooping cough for between 30 and 80 years, where if you get the whooping cough shot, um, you can get the disease over and over again, and your protection, if anything, from the vaccine may last for six months. So why Are we vaccinating people who already have had the illness? Is it just about the money? And I think it probably is. Um, Another phenomenon that we're seeing more and more, and again, this is relying on the PCR tests, which are total garbage. But what they're finding is that people are getting the vaccine or the shot, the genetic modification device. And they are then testing positive afterwards to SARS-CoV-2. And some of them are dying. In this one, 246 Michigan residents who were fully vaccinated, so they'd gotten two doses uh, against COVID-19, were later diagnosed with the virus and three of them died. So the vaccine really helped them a lot, didn't it? I don't think it does. It did. And they're calling this breakthrough cases. That's a that's a fairly new term. I first heard it probably 20 years ago in regards to the chickenpox vaccine, which is a live virus vaccine. And at that point, there were studies showing that up to 35% of the children who got a chickenpox vaccine had what they called breakthrough chickenpox, where they actually had the symptoms of chickenpox, the whole pox, and sometimes they were far worse than a normal case of chickenpox. Um, so, Instead of saying that the vaccine failed or that the vaccine actually gave them the chickenpox because it is a live virus vaccine, they called it breakthrough. Somehow the protection from the vaccine wasn't quite strong enough to protect that person and they got a breakthrough infection. Um, Karen says, good morning. My daughter is doing her RN at uni in Lismore and she has bad health. So ask the doctor to enter Ray Vax. But she has been told the uni won't accept a letter now, and she can continue with her RN. She's very upset. Karen, is that for the flu vaccine or is that for COVID? And in either case, it is an illegal requirement because there is no legislation that allows a policy uh, on the part of the hospital or on the part of the public health department to actually require vaccines. And this vaccine in specifically, because this is an experimental vaccine, um, there have been a lot of porkies being told by our politicians from Greg Hunt to Scott Morrison saying that this is a you know well-tested, fully proven vaccine. If you go to the TGA website and look it up, it shows that this has been given provisional approval. It is not an approved sh- um, shot. And that it will not be approved until sometime in 2023. So, um, so Karen, I just need to know if it is the COVID shot or something else. Yeah. Uh, your kids got the, Tracy says, my kids got the whole pox and gave it to their newborn sister. I'm assuming you mean the chicken pox. And that's what happens. It is a live virus vaccine, just like measles, mumps, rubella, rotavirus, oral polio, um, all of the live virus vaccines can and do shed, and we don't know yet if the uh, SARS shot, the COVID-19 shot, will shed also. COVID, okay, she, they have no right to require that. She can tell them that this is an experimental shot, show them the page on the TGA's website, and ask them to please provide her with the legislation that allows them to do that. Um, if she has any problems, she can contact us. So they're absolutely breaking the law. So we are seeing people all over the world dying and being permanently injured by this vaccine. This is a case that just happened a few days ago, seventh of April. It was reported on in Queensland. An eighty-two-year-old woman died three hours after getting her COVID-19 experimental genetic modification device injected. Um, She got the Pfizer vaccine, not the AstraZeneca, and. I love this line. It is not clear whether the woman died from the jab or another health complication. Blind Freddy knows that this woman was killed by the shot. Okay, this is not a coincidence. And it is not a coincidence when you see it happen time and time again. There has been at least one freedom of information request filed with the government to say, how do you know? (laughs) What tests will you do to determine whether it was the vaccine or something else? Um, because, I don't know, nobody knows what tests there are. How can you possibly test? But if you have someone who is healthy one minute, takes a vaccine, and they're dead three hours later, and in one case in New York, I remember, there was someone who got the shot and was dead 28 minutes later, and they said that it was not the shot. Like, it is denialism. That's what it is. It is absolute denialism. So there is no doubt in anyone's mind who has Two brain cells left to rub together that this woman was killed by the shot. Only denialists in the government and the medical community and the media can possibly question that. Sally Ann. Hi, Sally Ann. Good to see you. So many cases here in the Philippines and many people sick. Increasing deaths here too now. In my complex where I live, currently 17 active cases. One guy critical, but also beginning to hear personal stories of people dying post-vaccine. It's horrendous. And and in many cases, from what I've been seeing, these are healthy people. Um, I'll share one of them with you now. This is a woman by the name of Sarah Holub. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right. It's been a ridiculous year, but better days are coming. In the U.S., when you get the shot, just like the people that we interviewed at the beginning of the show, you get a sticker. It says, I was vaccinated for COVID. Um, So this is Sarah Holub on March 22nd. She got her shot, and she was happy she got her shot, so happy that she shared that on social media. Ah, oh, okay. March twenty-sixth. Four days later, Sarah Holub, who is young, nineteen eighty-one to twenty twenty-one, a young, healthy woman, died, and it said she died from natural causes. Now, forty-year-olds don't die from natural causes unless they have pre-existing conditions, and she died four four days after getting an experimental genetic modification device injected into her. Sarah, unfortunately, I believe, died from the, uh, the shot. Here's another one. This is actually someone who is quite famous. I, I'd never heard of her before, but she's a solicitor in the United States. Just got vaccinated. Um, what's the date? This is March 1st, 2021. Just got vaccinated, qualified because of my asthma. So she had a pre-existing autoimmune condition, which really and truly should have excused her from getting this shot. At a FEMA center, how convenient. Everyone at the site is in uniform. It's good to see our servicemen and women. Process was organized, efficient, and everyone is kind and in a good mood. Let's do this. Okay, so that was March 1st. Uh, April 6th. It is with profoundly heavy heart and the deepest sadness that we announce the untimely passing of our beloved Midwin Charles. She she was known to many as a legal commentator on television, but she to us she was a devoted daughter, sister, aunt, niece, and cousin. Our lives are forever changed and we will miss her for a lifetime. The family thanks you in advance for your love and prayers. Please allow the family time to grieve. The family of Midwin Charles. Another coincidence. Now I'm going to share a couple of videos with you. It's funny. How they've been telling everybody to go go get the vaccine. Go get the vaccine. Me, personally, I didn't want the vaccine. I don't take vaccines. I've been working in healthcare for years. I worked in healthcare for 17 years. Hands-on with patients, and I never got a flu shot. Never had any problems. I'm a healthy person. But as soon as I went and got the COVID-19 shot... This is what happened to me. They say I'm one in a million. Why I have to be that one? Y'all been through hell and back ever since I took that fucking shot. I got the Johnson and Johnson shot.
4: Sorry about my appearance, but long story short, I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine yesterday. Nobody knows if if this is the reason that all this stuff is going on, but started with chest pain, um, paralysis on my left side. Um, I was rushed over via ambulance to Baylor, Dallas, where I have had numerous scans done. I have had about eight seizures in the last two days. Never had a seizure before. They did find a 3-millimeter brain aneurysm. I am currently hooked up to my EEG so they can monitor my seizures.
0: Thank you, everyone, for all the prayers, and we are hoping to find answers soon. Two young, healthy people who were both injured within a very short time of getting the shots. One of them less than 24 hours later, and she said they don't know if the shot caused it. Sweetheart, the shot caused it. And this is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We don't use that in Australia yet. Chances are we will. Somebody's asking, where is Tiffany Dover? For those of you who don't know, look her up. Tiffany Pontes Dover. Um, She lived in Maryland. And I say lived because I believe firmly that Tiffany Dover is dead. She was one of the first health professionals in the United States to get the shot. She was vaccinated live on television. And they interviewed her a few minutes after the shot, and she fainted. And what we were told is that she died later that night. There is a death notice for the state of Maryland or Georgia. Sorry, not Maryland, Georgia, um, with her name. Uh, with relatives who are her relatives. Uh, but they two days later there was such an uproar about it that they had a photo up where they put all these nurses on a staircase in the hospital with masks on and they said one of them was Tiffany Dover. If you put them next to each other, Tiffany Dover had blue eyes, that nurse had brown eyes. Tiffany Dover's hair parted in a different place. That nurse hair's, nurse's hair parted completely different. Um, the build was different. It was such an obvious lie Um, and I don't understand why her family is being silent on this but it is a lie now this is another one I don't know I don't follow um, rap music at all but this is someone who's quite famous DMX he was hospitalized a few days ago and he was in a vegetative state he has a long history of drug problems and the official um, perp cause they said online for his death, he died this morning I believe, was an overdose for drugs. His family has come out and said no, he did not die from drugs, he did not have an overdose. He got the vaccine a few days before he was hospitalized and the reason he took the shot was that he wanted to be able to travel to tour and he would, He knew he wouldn't be allowed to travel unless he tour, unless he took the shot and he died as a result of that. So. Are people going to report this in the media or are they going to continue to tell the lie that he died of a drug overdose? I think the chances are he they're going to continue to lie and say he died of a drug overdose, but I don't know. Let's see what happens. In the United States, there are mass um, centers, big centers have been set up. We haven't done this in Australia yet, but the government is looking at doing it because they're not getting the number of people um, shots that... Uh, that they actually had wanted to. Um, our our rate of, of people accepting these shots is very low, and that gives me hope. It means that people are probably awake. Um, so in Denver, one of these large um, facilities, uh, the clinic administered more than 1,700 shots of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine Wednesday prior to the pause. Um, but what happened was 11 people suffered side effects. Two of them needed to be taken to hospital. So they paused administering that vaccine. Uh, And there's another instance of that in North Carolina. Uh, Again, the Johnson & Johnson shot. Don't think that the Johnson & Johnson shot is any more dangerous than AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and Moderna, because they're all virtually um, causing the same number of reactions and deaths. North Carolina health officials said on Thursday that they stopped administering Johnson & Johnson doses at a mass vaccination site in Raleigh and at clinics in Hillsborough and Chapel Hill after at least 26 people experienced adverse reactions, including fainting. Four people were taken to hospitals for further examinations, and officials are reviewing the matter. So you would think, now I have seen this, um, with, with sausage. (laughs) I mean, this is not a sausage. This is an injectable, but, um, I remember very clearly that there were a few cases of, um, salmonella, uh, that were found to have happened after people ate sausages. And there was a nationwide recall of all the sausages from this one particular company as a, as a precaution. And, and that's, you know, using the precautionary principle is one of the basis of everything that we should be doing. Here we have case after case, thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people who are experiencing serious reactions requiring hospitalizations, and many of them are experiencing long-term and possibly permanent adverse effects. And we are, experien- we are showing thousands of people dying. This is just in the United States. There are tens of thousands of deaths worldwide at this point that are admitted to. but there is no call to withdraw the vaccine and to check it, to finally do the safety studies that should have been done before the vaccines or the you know, the medical devices were ever allowed to be released. None of them have been licensed. None of these shots have been licensed. They are all working under provisional licenses. Uh, and everyone who takes these shots is a guinea pig. You're not being told that, but you are a guinea pig because they have no idea if it's going to protect you. They have no idea if it's going to stop you from spreading it to other people and they have absolutely no idea if it's going to kill you or permanently injure you. Karen said, an elderly man living near me had the vaccine. He was so sick, he wished he didn't get it. He was told not to go near anyone for 20 days. If people shed from the vax, we won't know who has had it and I'm frightened to go to the shops, etc." The fact is, and this is my belief, this is me, okay, so it's not anyone else. I believe that our health comes from us, not from outside. We can be exposed to, and we are exposed to, pathogens, thousands and thousands and millions of pathogens every single day, and we don't get sick because we have something called an immune system. And if we work to keep our immune system strong, if we ignored government advice, if we ate good food, if we got sunshine, if we got exercise, if we did the right things, then it wouldn't matter who we were exposed to. It really wouldn't because we would be safe. Um, So I would not be concerned. And being in a state of fear is a great way to suppress your immune system. So don't be in fear. Kelly says, the number of elderly who are actually excited to be getting it is alarming. So my mum was telling me, and they are openly asking each other, when are you getting yours? Mum's very a very non-confrontational person, and she said she doesn't know how to answer it and is not confident to say, I have no wish to be a guinea pig. I think that's a great answer. If she just says, I'm not going to take it until it's been tested thoroughly by the guinea pigs who are currently taking it, are you one of them? Um, You know, something along those lines, it might make them think. Uh, Kath says, my son was in hospital within 12 hours after the jab. Kath, I'm so sorry. I hope he's okay now. Uh, Suzanne says, if nurses aren't covered, does that mean doctors aren't covered as well if they get jabbed? It's a good question, and I don't know the answer to it. If anybody has any information on that, please do let me know. And Kelly says, my belief is that if you're healthy, you have no worries, even if they are shedding. Get healthy is the mantra. Absolutely. Our health comes from us, not from a vaccine, not from a pill, and certainly not from the government or from mainstream medicine. Um, They're anti-health, I believe. Uh, Kat says, I sit in my garden, take my vitamins A, C, D, E, and zinc. um, And those are all great things to do. I was told Facebook is an echo chamber and it I, I should stop listening to stories. Well, it's, it is is an echo chamber right now because our side is almost impossible to find on Facebook. So it's an echo chamber for the other side. So if they're telling you to stop listening, maybe they're telling you the right thing. But the good part is there are so many other social media outlets and I will share on the AVN's uh, website this afternoon, a list of all the social media outlets where we are. We're on Telegram and MeWe and Gab and Parlor, all these places. There are plenty of places to find uncensored information. Facebook is not one of them. Twitter is still okay, believe it or not. But I mean, a lot of people are getting deleted from Twitter, but you can still find good information on Twitter, Instagram also. Um, but that's changing. It is changing. Um, my friend's dad went to his doctor to get the flu jab. They changed it to the AstraZeneca and told him to rebook for his flu jab. So he went for a flu shot and was given the AstraZeneca COVID shot instead. That's pretty amazing. I haven't heard that before. Um, I hope they gave him the option. Um, and I hope he'll think twice before going back for the flu shot uh, because he needs Nobody knows what the interactions are between those shots. Um Now, I'd like to share another little video with you. I'm running out of time. I told you I had three hours worth of information. So if you have to go, go. Um, This will be saved on the AVN's website and on the other websites as well. But I just want to go through these last, I'm close to the end. So I just want to go through these last few slides.
5: Call it a COVID conundrum in states with the strictest measures in the country like Michigan, Pennsylvania and much of New England cases are on the rise. While in the south states like Arkansas and Texas that have reopened businesses and ripped away mask mandates are seeing their numbers drop.
6: I'm announcing today that uh, the statewide mask mandate will be lifted. People and businesses don't need the state telling them how to operate.
5: So what might explain the apparent contradiction? one theory differences in testing rates. Alabama has experienced one of the biggest dips in reported infections more than 50% in two weeks, but it's also dead last in the U.S. for COVID testing only 56 tests per 100,000 people. That's a fraction of what you'll find in places like Vermont, Massachusetts and New York where numbers are surging. How much does lack of adequate testing have to do with the numbers that we're seeing right now?
0: When you don't test you're blind and when you're not testing you you have a false sense of what the real problem is in your community.
5: Another theory covid fatigue in Michigan where people are just coming out of lockdown for the first time in months cases are up more than 100% as demographics shift. What's different in this wave is these are younger individuals between the ages of 30 and 60 the vast majority of which are not currently vaccinated. Texas, on the other hand, began reopening its doors months ago and just jammed 40,000 people into the Rangers ballpark, many without masks. A lot of individuals in the southern part of the U.S., and especially here in Texas, have already been exposed to the coronavirus. So many individuals already have coronavirus antibodies. That leads us to the risky behavior we've seen in places like Miami Beach, Florida, where numbers have only increased slightly. And Theory number three, that young people are acting as carriers. As doctors say, they're returning to other states, taking the virus with them
0: those are the least likely to show up for testing. And when those younger individuals infect older individuals or more vulnerable individuals, that takes time.
5: Bottom line, health experts say the following figures in the South might be giving a false sense of security.
0: I'll give you theory number four. Uh, testing is a scam. Uh, the testing will not show whether you have an infection or not. And the places that have fewer tests also have less COVID, coincidentally. What we should be looking at is actual deaths and hospitalizations. And in areas with high testing numbers, have the deaths and hospitalizations gone up? And this is something that I will cover on a future Under the Wire, perhaps next week, which is that figures are starting to come out for 2020 for overall mortality. And in every country that I have seen, overall mortality for 2020 in the middle of one of the worst pandemics we've ever had are down over the last year, over the last 10 years. Per capita mortality has decreased during a pandemic, and in some cases decreased by a very high percentage. Some of that can be explained by the fact that people aren't driving as much, so there are fewer road deaths. But even if we added in the road deaths and and pretended that those road deaths would still happen, the overall mortality is down. And it's very hard to explain that away when we know that we're being told that we're in the deadliest pandemic ever. And as I said at the beginning of the show on that first slide from Bloomberg News, we have to prepare to be in a permanent pandemic. Uh, I've got news for you. We are not going to prepare to be in a permanent pandemic. We are going to be in preparations for permanent sovereignty and permanently telling the government to stay in their box and not bother us. Um, In Australia, We have rare but serious uh, blood clotting events that are happening after the AstraZeneca vaccine, and therefore the government has said that Pfizer's vaccine should be given to anyone under the age of 50. AstraZeneca should only be used for those over the age of 50. Um, Christine, we need so many good people to go into politics. There are parties out there that support natural health, that support individual freedom, and bodily sovereignty. Please find one of them and go into politics. We need people like you. Um yep, no socomial causes of death, which is basically hospital um and, and medically caused causes of death are very much reduced and that's wonderful. Um we've seen that over decades. Whenever doctors go on strike, deaths decline substantially Um, uh, in Israel. And I think I've told this story before, and I think there was a similar one in South America. I don't know if it was Brazil or Argentina. There was a three-month doctor strike and and undertakers went out of business. So (laughs) uh, people literally stopped dying. So uh, with this this new rule in Australia, only people uh, over the age of 50 are supposed to get the AstraZeneca shot. Now, The question is, why? Um, If it's causing blood clots, why would it not cause them in people over the age of 50? And is this the government's way of saying it's okay to lose these people over the age of 50? Because we don't really care if older people die. We just want to save the young ones. Where is this arbitrary 50 years cutoff coming from? And is it the same in other countries? In France? they have reduced the age, sorry, they have said that nobody under the age of 55 is supposed to be getting the vaccine. So why 55? What science are they relying on in France? And in other countries, it is 60 years of age. So A, are we sacrificing? We were supposed to all do this lockdown and stay away from people to save grandma. But now is the government saying, let's kill grandma? And why have they chosen this arbitrary age? Sally Ann, you have put your finger right on it as always. Older people can be blamed on underlying conditions, and that's exactly right. We saw that with that 82-year-old who was previously healthy. Um, she died within three hours of getting the shot. Uh, they're going to now claim that it's because of underlying health conditions that she died. Uh. Okay, so in the Philippines, it's also 60, so anyone under the age of 60 doesn't get the AstraZeneca vaccine, Uh, but if you're over the age of 60, you do. It's so that they don't have to get ready to pay the pension, and this is something that we've seen in the UK. The pension costs have plummeted since vaccination started. Um, Yay, you know, we have so many fewer old people uh, that we have to support with the pension. They worked all their lives for that pension, but you know the government, hey presto, is is fixing that problem. Uh, it's pretty sad and sick. Uh, and this is sorry, I, I showed you the wrong slide. This is uh, France saying that anyone under the age of 55 should not be given the AstraZeneca shot. And the really sick thing about this is that. The uh, Pfizer vaccine has also been linked with both thrombocytopenia, which is when your blood doesn't clot and you end up hemorrhaging, um, and, uh, and blood clots, which is what AstraZeneca, we're being told, is causing. Now, this other article that I blew past before is talking about a new blood problem that's coming up with the AstraZeneca shot. They're calling it capillary leak syndrome. Or in Australia, capillary leak syndrome, uh, where you're having bleeding from your small blood vessels, your capillaries, which is causing uh, internal bleeding, so hemorrhaging basically. I don't know what the difference is between this and thrombocytopenia. Thrombocytopenia is when your platelets are not stopping your your blood your blood from or stopping your blood from clotting. Sorry, uh, but this seems to be actually affecting the uh, blood vessels themselves, the capillaries. So um, this is another problem for AstraZeneca. Why is it AstraZeneca and not Pfizer? Chances are it's both of them. Chances are it's Moderna. Chances are it's Johnson and Johnson. We just haven't been publicizing them yet. And if they can blame all these problems on one vaccine, then they can say, well, let's take these other vaccines, they're safer. Sally Ann says, micro-leaking, that would kill your brain. you remember the video I showed of that young woman lying in bed uh, a day after getting the shot? She said that they found a three-centimeter aneurysm in her brain. Is that from this? Is this the micro-leaking? Is this the, what do they call that? Um, uh, Capillary leak syndrome. I mean, the brain is full of blood vessels and nerve endings, too. So um, these things can and... Will kill people. Um, this is another very very important article. Again, a 14 page article. It's a little bit sciency, but I think if you bear with it, you'll be able to get through it. It is frightening. It's talking about how the genetic code is used to um, to make the COVID shots. Now, Anita's spoken about this, and if you want to learn more about it, read the original paper that came out of Wuhan. Um, at the beginning of the scamdemic what happened was um, they thought that it might have been a SARS virus that was causing these conditions in China. So they took one person, got fluid from their lungs, I'm pretty sure it's their lungs, washed it, put it through centrifuges, added all kinds of crap to it, and at the end of it did a PCR test and, and found these codes, sequences. They said, aha, it's a SARS virus. Um, so that is what is causing this condition. Did they ever fulfill Koch's postulates and inject that into someone else to see if the symptoms were repeated? No, basic science was not done. And how did they decide it was a SARS virus? A bunch of scientists got together in a room and said, are these codes that we found in this person, the, what is causing the problem? And they all said, yep, we think it is. We have a consensus, okay, so this is the problem. I kid you not, that is how they found it. Now, how are they making these vaccines? How are they making them so quickly? How are they making them so cheaply? They are actually 3D printing them. They are getting all of these codes and they're using a 3D printer, which you can kind of see here, and they're printing the vaccines. It's called a DNA machine. So. It d- makes digital code that is DNA or RNA. And what are the p- potential problems with this? What are the downsides? Um, is this an effective way to prevent an illness? Is this an effective way to prevent the spread of an infection? Who knows? Nobody and nobody knows. We haven't tested it. Um, Yes, Sally Ann says, these shots seem far more acutely dangerous than the powers that planned this foresaw. I cannot believe they didn't know. They got too greedy. That may actually ultimately save at least some of us. And I agree with you 100%. The only thing that I am not sure about is that they didn't foresee how dangerous this is. Um, I think that the people who are pulling the strings, the Fauci's, the Bill Gates, the other people in these, you know, in these big organizations, these three-letter alphabet organizations around the world, the WHO, the WEF, they knew. I believe my belief is that they knew, and they didn't care. They saw the profit, and they wanted to take it. And um, and yes, Robert, the Queensland Premier's father is the head of the largest DNA bank in Australia, and he wrote a book about twenty years ago about how a virus could be used to basically um, reduce the population. I talked about this, I think, last week or the week before. So the, the threads are very much, um, you know, throughout the governments, throughout the pharmaceutical industry. Um, there's another little video that I'd like to share with you. This is a short one. This was actually filmed before COVID. And it was filmed in China, and it should give everyone chills. Everywhere
4: she goes, Ouyang Haoyu is followed. What she buys, how she behaves, is tracked and scored to show how responsible and trustworthy she is. It's called the social credit system, and in one version now being tested, a person's reputation is scored on a scale of 350 to 950. And Haoyu, with a good score of 752, is okay with it. In fact, most people are. It's a mechanism, like, uh, pushes you to become a better citizen. It's big data meets big brother, expanding how the government monitors, understands, and ultimately controls its 1.4 billion citizens. This is really... Thanks to advances in artificial intelligence and facial recognition glasses. and a web of more than 200 million surveillance cameras. Are people bothered by privacy concerns?
5: We think uh, it's a lot of cameras keep the safety is really good. We can accept it.
4: Companies are experimenting with the algorithms to help the government create the new national social credit system. The government also has pilot projects. In one, citizens are required to do hours of unpaid work to get benefits. And scores are docked for things like littering, a messy yard, gossip, even jaywalking. Video of offenders is shown on the local news. And information collectors like Zhou Nee are paid to report on their neighbors. Her quota, 10 entries a month. Like the man who carried a drunk person home. A good deed, she says. Good social credit gets rewarded with perks like cheap loans and travel deals. But a bad score means public shame and worse. Wang Hui-jun lost a court case and didn't pay. Now he's on a government blacklist. I can't buy airplane or train tickets, he says, and the list goes on. Being discredited makes it hard to get a job or put kids in top schools. The social credit system will go nationwide next year, and few here are willing to criticize it, something that may pose a risk itself for a bad score and the life that comes with it. Janice Mackey Freire, NBC News, Beijing. Hey, NBC News fans.
0: So, this is the system that is going to be implemented worldwide if we don't stop it. And it is quite open. Um, what about the vaccine passports, the tracking on your phone? Track and trace. It is exactly what they're talking about. Um, I've seen a show called Black Mirror once, one episode. That's the only one that I saw. And it was about this about people who wore contact lenses in their eyes that would show their score. And only people with a good score could actually get job promotions or, you know, be able to access the funds in their bank accounts or buy food. Uh, And the people who didn't do that, they were basically outcasts in society. And people who question this are the new outcasts. But the good news is that the outcasts um, sector of society is becoming the, the uh, sorry, I'm losing my words, no longer a minority, but a ma- majority of people in society. We need them to speak up because only when we all get together and speak up, can we actually stop this. Now, this is another very short video from the World Health, oh, sorry, World Economic Forum. Um, they're the wonderful group run by Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab, who basically say that it is 2030 and you own nothing and have never been happier. Well, they're working on something called a smart face mask that can actually track you on the internet and find out whether or not you're wearing your mask and whether you're wearing it properly. Very important. Well, I want you to realize that the World Health World Economic Forum—I keep wanting to call them the World Health Organization—they're so similar—has um, just admitted in that video that masks can cause you to have an unhealthy buildup of carbon monoxide. So um, carbon dioxide, sorry, and um, and that's why it'll remind you when that builds up to have a few breaths of fresh air. Nice of them to spare you uh, the lack of oxygen, uh, but. I don't know how many of you feel comfortable about wearing a mask that's going to basically snitch on you because it's online. If you're able to see it, someone else is able to see it too. If you're not putting it on, they're gonna know. Um, And we don't need face nappies to keep us healthy. We don't need this at all. But I wanna share as a last video something really wonderful. Now, it's not easy to hear this, but this is a pub, and I think it's in Canada. I'm pretty sure it's in Canada. And this is what happened when the health authorities came to tell them that they were in breach of COVID regulations.
5: health inspector here.
6: Well, we are. We're going to ask the leave.
5: Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up.
0: simultaneously everyone in that restaurant pub whatever it is started shouting get out get out and you know what the people who were there from the health inspection team they got out and that's not the first time i've seen that i've seen things like that there was a recent a polish church and i'm pretty sure it was in australia um, in Melbourne, they had people come there on Easter, Easter Sunday, to tell them that they had to close because they had too many people and they were in breach of COVID. And the um, the minister, whatever, I'm not sure what he's called, uh, pastor, he actually said, get out of here. You're not welcome. Get out of here. And there were there were five or six people. I think one of them was a police officer, two or three of them were from the council. And And it is, oh, Kath, three o'clock in the morning. Good, thank you for sticking with us for this long. You can come back. I'm almost done anyway, but, but you can come back and watch the rest of it later on on the AVN website. So this is what needs to happen. People need to stop being so compliant. They need to stop following orders. They need to get past their comfort zones and start saying i am going to stand up for me and for my family because if i don't nobody else will and it is time we all did that that's in calgary the um the 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 church thank you in calgary in canada um thanks for that debbie i appreciate that um oh and linda said the same thing the church was in canada on the world economic forum website it lists scores of world economic forum partner organization which includes big tech Adani, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Merck—the dirty dozen, aren't they? Um, yes, and it was awesome, Jody. I've watched—that's another video I've watched multiple times, just because it gives me such a good feeling to see people standing up for themselves. And honestly, I mean, we started the the show today with the three women who stood up and said, "We are going to show our gratitude." We also need to stand up and say, we are going to defend our rights. We are going to not just defend our rights, but claim them because nobody can take our rights away from us. And if someone says that they are going to try, we have to claim them back. It is up to all of us. If you want to leave a world for your children that they want to live in, we have to stand up now for our children, for our grandchildren, for anyone that we care about. So... Uh, Oh, the pub was in Vancouver. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I've gotten, I knew it was Canada someplace, but I didn't know where in Canada it was. Um, Yes, yes, Josie. He called the people who who had come to close down the service Nazis. And it was interesting because he said it was a Passover celebration, which being jewish you know that's a that's a jewish holiday so i guess there must be a sect in the christian church that also uh celebrates passover i'd never heard that before but um yes vicky you've asked if you can share this later on absolutely it will be on the avn website um, it will also be on rumble Bitshoot, and brady on um, and this is the longest show i've ever done so thank you everyone for your patience and for your forbearance. I had a lot of information to cover today and I've now finished the last slide and the last video. Um, Does anyone have any questions before we end? Because otherwise I'm going to say goodbye and wish you all a good weekend. Um, Yes, Nicoletta, there are class actions about vaccines happening in Australia and there is one class action that's not about human vaccines, but the Hendra virus vaccine is in the Supreme Court, I'm pretty sure and, or maybe the high court, I'm not sure. And when that, it looks like it's going to be a judgment. I mean, there's no way to tell, but it's looking very positive that there will be a judgment against the vaccine manufacturer uh, for hiding information about what was an experimental vaccine that had never been tested and killed a lot of horses. Um, So that there can possibly, yes, there can possibly be a crossover between that action and other actions. And don't forget there are people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the United States, Rainer Fumich in in Germany, and the Concerned Lawyers Network in Australia, as well as Advocate Me in Australia, that are all taking class actions and going to fight these on our behalf. We need to support those who are fighting on our behalf, but we need to stand up also and do some fighting ourselves are we going, Vicky asks, are we going to get through this if we stick together? Vicky, it's the only way we're going to get through this. Unity is above all else, the most important thing. Unity in our local communities, unity in our national communities, and unity internationally. Everyone who supports freedom, regardless of your opinion on vaccines, everyone who believes that there are innate, um, inalienable rights that we are born with, every single one of us must stand up and support those rights. We cannot allow this to happen because it's a steamroller. And if we don't stop it, it's going to roll over us and many of us are going to die or be permanently injured. And we need to stop that. Uh, Natalie said, of course we are. What choice do we have? Frequencies of love, peace, unity, unity and stop helping them. Absolutely. Every time you comply, every time someone asks you to put on a mask and you think, oh, I really don't want to make a fuss. I'll just wear it. What does it matter? It matters. It's just two weeks to flatten the curve. It's just a mask. It's just a test. It's just your job. It's just your children's education. It's just your freedom. None of that is just it's unjust, completely unjust. So we need, yes. <laughs> um, how amazing was it that, the, um, that that case, one case, again, using a, a fraudulent PCR test, was found of COVID in Queensland two days before the emergency powers given to Anastasia Palachuk were supposed to expire. And as a result, those emergency powers have been extended to June 2021. As we said before, we have to be ready for a permanent pandemic. I am not ready for a permanent pandemic. I am ready to get my freedom back. And we all need to act on this now. Uh, The government is not our government. They are a corporation with a CEO. So if they can get away with that, they think they can get away with anything. So far, we are proving them right. And I agree with you on that. We need to stop complying. We need to stand up and say, I do not consent. I'm not going to wear your mask. I'm not going to take your damn test. I'm not going to do any of those things. I am going to stand like a sovereign human being in my freedom and in my power. Western Australia have signed extension to the state of health emergency with no cases. And that's true. There haven't been any cases reported in WA. Does anybody know now, now that you've said WA, does anybody know what happened? There was a couple that had come home from, I think they came home from overseas or from another state, and um, they were in quarantine and they refused to test and they were told they'd be arrested and have huge fines. I think Monica from Re- Reigniting Democracy interviewed them, but um, I never saw a follow-up. Does anybody know what happened to them? Um, if you do, and and if you have contact details for them, let me know. I'd love to interview them if they're not in prison. And I don't think they are. I would have heard that. Um, the PCR test is sterilized with ethylene oxide. The EPA says it's carcinogenic, especially if inhaled. Next, I've been doing research for a couple of weeks now, and I've got a lot of information together, not only on the PCR test, but also on the masks that are made in China. and. Um, it seems that there are nanotechnology particles that are in those tests and in those masks. Um, I didn't want to say anything until I had the information, but I am going to be, um, I am going to be uh, looking into this, and hopefully next week, giving you the information about this. It's just another reason to say no to the tests and no to the masks because um, you can be harmed if they if they do have these particles in there. Yeah, Christine Toper said, Why did Tropper, sorry, why did the PCR test kits, test kits get distributed in 2017 all over the world? Again, this is something I covered in a previous Under the Wire. Um, the World Health Organization had a website that said uh, COVID 19 test kits. It was distributed in 2017. The day that that became public, Uh, They changed it from COVID-19 test kits to, I believe, medical test kits. But luckily, a lot of people saved the screenshot of that. Um, In far north Queensland, we are being forced to wear a mask till the end of the month. You are not being forced to wear a mask. And if somebody asks you to wear a mask, just say you have an exemption. If they ask you what the exemption is, say none of your business. You're not entitled to ask that. And I did have a video of... um, uh, Jeanette Young, the chief health officer in Queensland, talking about that and saying people are entitled to say no to wearing masks. Um, so do not comply to wearing a mask uh, and do not comply to taking a test, uh, because if you do, you're only extending this situation where we have no power. We need to stand up. Uh, Sue Harness said, the Stand Up Australia tour is encouraging us to demand our right to representative democracy the way it is always meant to be. And if you think about it, think about the diggers, think about the people who fought in World War I and World War II. What would have happened at that time if the government had come and said, you have to stay in your house, you're not allowed out, you're not allowed to breathe on anyone, um, you're not allowed to, to, to go to work, you're not allowed to earn a living, you're not allowed to feed your family? What would have happened? back then. There would have been a revolution in Australia. N- not They wouldn't have gone overseas to fight. They would have fought here. Why did we become such snowflakes that we allow the government to tell us what to do? So um, it is truly uh, something that we need to wake up to. And we need to wake our friends, our family, and our neighbors as much as we can. I know it's not easy. I have so many family who have given in and taken this shot and I pray and hope that they will not be harmed by it. But um, yeah, (laughs) Natalie, that's true. Uh, Jeanette Young-Un, the chief health officer, said that uh, people were at risk of uh, dying from the the vaccine instead of dying from COVID. Uh, It was a Freudian slip of all Freudian slips. Um, And yeah, it was interesting that she said that. I believe that's what she really feels, but Um, it's unusual for her to actually come out and say what she feels instead of what the party line is. Um, and yes, event 201 is something you can still find online. It was the exercise that happened two months before the scamdemic started. Uh, it was in New York and they did a practice run of what would happen if there was a pandemic and how the governments and the media would operate and handle it. Um, and yeah, because they were armed. I know it's true, Mark. Um, the very first thing that any fascist dictatorship does is disarm the population. Um, And it might be one of the reasons that will save the United States because they have a very strongly armed population here in Australia. It's not quite so easy. And I don't know what your opinions are on guns, but um, I believe that everyone has a right to defend themselves and their families. And Thomas Jefferson said it best. He said that we don't need guns to defend ourselves from foreign enemies. We need guns to defend ourselves from our government. And I mean, it wasn't, that was paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. And um, are we still fighting for our own Bill of Rights in Australia? I know that it was not passed in parliament. One of the really interesting thing was that the person who introduced this was actually Malcolm Turnbull. um, And that was in the 1990s, I think. Uh, He was a big supporter of a Bill of Rights in Australia and I think that has died um, and I think right now we would probably never get a Bill of Rights. Uh, we need to fight this first and demand our rights and then we can get it enshrined in legislation. Yeah, uh, Robert, what if what did Robert say? Ven 201 was an eye opener? Okay, I'm not really sure if I'm missing a question here but I have been on for one hour and 57 minutes <laughs> and I think it's time that I let you guys go back to your weekend and enjoy it. Um, I've had an amazing time this morning on Under the Wire. Um, I really appreciate Um, every single person who comes here, whether you stay for the whole show or not. And I appreciate people who share this on your social media pages or by email or in your newsletters because we absolutely need people to get this information. And the more people who have it, the more people who will be standing up to defend their rights. So um, thank you all so much. I will see you next weekend. It may be Sunday. Just stay in touch and let us know and sign up for the AVN's newsletter if you haven't done that already. Um, So thank you all. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I hope it's beautiful weather where you are. It's gorgeous here. And thank you all. (laughs) So you've actually done housework during this, Jackie. You're a better woman than me. Take care, everyone. And I will see you next week on Under the Wire. Bye-bye.